praise the Lord. It's not just a beautiful song. That's a reality. You can be seated for a few moments. We've got a <clears throat> baby dedication today. If Brother Ben and Sister Kate want to bring her little baby girl, we'll dedicate her to the Lord today. <clears throat> bring them in. Bring them in. Bring them in from the fields of Bring them in, bring them in, bring the little ones to Jesus. You want a picture, Daddy? <laughs> oh, she smiled on that. You know, the prophet tells us that um, God slipped that wedding ring on our hand before the foundation of the world. God took a picture of you when you was at your best. And you can see from this grandfather standing there with that big smile on his face and mother and father, you can see what a picture of a child does. Well, God took yours when you was at your best. Not when you was 18 or 20 or newborn, but before the foundation of the world. Heavenly Father, as we stand here today with another miracle, life itself, what a miracle it is. We're so grateful, Lord Jesus, that we still have parents today that desire to bring forth according to the original law of multiplication. We thank you, Lord Jesus, mothers that desire to give birth to children, to raise them, to nurture them, Teach them in the fear of God. Thank you for fathers that desire to be able to bring forth their little children in the way that's pleasing to you. I know your prophet has taught us that much of what we will be later in life is formed in us when we are children. I'm reminded of several brothers that were raised in a home and there was a great picture of a sh ship on a big sea. Every one of those brothers wind up going to the Navy. And if a picture would instill something in young men to forge their destiny, all about the teaching of the Word of God, I pray for my brother and sister that you would help them, Lord, to be able to teach their little daughter the right ways. Father, if time should tarry, she'd be old enough to be able to accept you, to know right from wrong. Deal with her heart while she's tender and young, Lord. We dedicate our little life to you today. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, sis, we don't believe in women preaching, so. <laughs> Mama, you're going to have to teach her. God bless you. Let's stand together today. <clears throat> Brother Lewis already expressed it, but what a privilege it is for us to be able to gather together. <clears throat> Many of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine today, they had a few prayer meetings over the phone, gathered in some basements and things like that. And 
pray that God is mindful of them today and will help them and be with them. So far of all the different ones that I've heard from, I haven't heard of any that's been injured or their lives taken. We pray that God will be mindful of them and keep them during this terrible, terrible time. We know that wars will come. Jesus told us that when he was here, there would be wars and rumors of wars. And we know that the spirits of the nations actually get jealous of one another. And then those spirits will go to competing in that world. Because remember, Satan's kingdom is established upon rebellion. So how could his kingdom be anything other than rebellion? And those spirits get jealous of one another. I believe we can pray at times and God will hold back the winds of war. You know, in the Bible, prophecy is identified as war. And we know the First World War, the strangeness at the time, the season, the day, the hour, the year that it ended, it was because the angels of God was holding it back. So, and then there's wars that are prophetic wars. You and I could pray till we couldn't even talk anymore and would not stop those prophetic wars. Is this one of them? I'm not sure. But I do know that this morning, Mr. Putin put his troops on a nuclear alert. So, no matter what he intends, God's will must be done. Amen. So, I know that you're remembering the people there, that God will be, have mercy upon them. They're estimating possibly four million people will be uh, looking for homes crossing Poland, Lithuania, different places to where they're allowed to go there. So let's remember them. Different people have asked me about us helping them, getting money to them to help them in their daily needs and things like that. But we don't want to do it until we're um, sure that we have a channel that we can put it through. I received a text from a brother this morning from here in the state side that has sent some money there but they want to make sure that it's secure and um, that the Russians won't get it, of course. So once I find out something on that, then I will certainly let you know. But there's one thing about it. Russia can't stop our prayers. Amen. They might try to steal our money and the saints may not get it, but the saints can get the benefit of the children of God praying. Think, friends, what if this was us today? What if Russia was at our doorstep in Washington, Seattle, Portland, wherever more. But one day we know this nation will be destroyed because it's the last vision that the prophets saw. Are we at that time? I don't know for sure. But I know one thing. I don't have a promise that I'll live after this service. So I'm going to be ready every day of my life. How many wants that to be your desire as well? Let's pray together if you would. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we love you today. We're so grateful, Lord Jesus, that we could come together in this place. Sense your presence. Lord, hear of testimonies, make prayer requests. Lord, be able to fellowship with the saints, but most of all with you. We're so grateful for the opportunity, Lord Jesus. We think of our brothers and sisters today in Ukraine. And Lord, we know that the men of Ukraine are under a restraint from 18 to 60. They're not allowed out of the country. And they're trying to defend their country, their homeland. So I saw the picture of a, a man earlier this morning that blew up a bridge 
from one of the entryways from Crimea into Ukraine. And he gave his life in the explosion that he might slow down what Russia was going to do. As I read that, I thought, Lord, if a man would be willing to give his life for his country, what ought we to do as Christians? If a man would give his life and allow his body to be blowed to pieces in order to blow out a bridge, to slow down a convoy from coming, then, Lord God, I pray you would help us today to give everything we are to our Lord Jesus. We don't have to put on vests and blow up our bodies and do all types of suicide commissions. No, all you want us to do is give everything that we are to you. And then you'll live your life through us. That's what we want. Would you speak to us today, Father, from your word? We come with many needs. Lord Jesus, we desire to be prepared. We believe that heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. The unprepared cannot go to such a place that has been in the making for many thousands of years. So it lets us know that there must be a people who are as meticulously prepared as that city where they will go to. Speak to us today, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Speaking now about the Lord Jesus, the incarnate God, who is the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God. So remember, God is a spirit. According to St. John 4, he is also invisible. So God wanted to become visible and tangible. And that was through the Lord Jesus. The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Notice, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church. I realize that a lot of folks that don't understand really the principles of God, they question and say, well, why would God allow wars? Why would God allow innocent people to die? Why would God allow little babies to die? If he's so big and so great, why don't he stop it all? Well, you see, he gave the title deed to this earth to his first son, and his first son forfeited it to this other power that's anointing Russia today. And will he stop it? He will. And if you notice, Paul does not say that in, in the present tense that he is the head over the cosmos, which is the world order, but he's the head of the body, those that are in Christ. But before long, he's going to take it all over. Amen. Notice he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. May the Lord bless his word. 
You may be seated. So it's not without purpose and cause. There's not one thing that can happen in the earth, whether it be be from political or from religious, whatever it is, the powers that be are ordained of God. It may seem strange to us, but God, even having Isaiah, to prophesy about a king 150 years, something like that, before he was ever born. And the prophet Isaiah, by inspiration, called his name and called him Cyrus. And even referred to him as my shepherd. Now Cyrus never actually gave his life over to God to serve him. But yet God down through time has used many of these kingdoms and powers to bring about his will. As a matter of fact, if you read in the book of Daniel chapter 10, you'll find about the horns. And it's confusing to a lot of people that don't understand symbolism of the Bible. But it was a he-goat in chapter 7 also and a ram. And there was a horn and all that seems strange and peculiar, but once you understand that a beast in the Bible is a representation of a power. And then a horn would also be a significance of a power on there. So sometimes on the same ram's head would be two different sizes of horns, which is powers. Then you look in Daniel chapter 11 and you see the king of the north. And you also see the king of the south. And both of these speaking prophetically of a power such as Russia that God would allow to come into the earth and manipulate certain things to happen. But it's not at their will. You know, looking a little this morning about the history of Vladimir Putin, Putin rather, and seeing his background and where he come up and seeing some of the things that has molded him in a natural way to be what he is. Yet I saw a clip of a man who knew him personally and worked with him. And he said that the man has changed, almost like he's entered into a messianic role, a messianic position. Now, we know that Hitler done exactly the same thing. And when you study about Hitler, Hitler was and all an unemployed artist. And yet they tried a coup in Germany. And Hitler was the one who took the blame, although he was not really responsible, fully responsible, but he took the blame. They throw him in jail and out of there he comes and Germany was in this condition of high unemployment and inflation and all these things were going on and it fit exactly the need of the day. And the people were looking for a Messiah. Can't you understand Russia has to do certain things in order to bring the cry for the false Messiah. When the world will go to war, and we know that Russia is the bear 
in the Old Testament, also referred to as the king of the north in Jeremiah and the book of Ezekiel. And it is a great power that will be used in the last day. But let me tell you something here today. I personally am not afraid of Russia. I am not afraid of one of their nuclear bombs, their hydrogen bombs, all the things that they can do. I'm more concerned about him who could destroy both soul and body. All Russia could do is they dropped a bomb here this morning and in a few moments we would be evaporated. But you know what? All it means is I moved over into my body which was prepared for me before the foundation of the world. Now, can I stand here today and say it does not alarm me for those that are there? No, I think about those that are there, whether or not they are part of the economy of God, they are human beings. I don't know about you. My love goes beyond a religious love, just loving those who agree with me doctrinally. I love the human race because God does. But yet in my heart, I know that one day, is this it? I don't know for sure. But one day it will move into that cycle and it will be totally unstoppable. Already they're trying to get them together with the Ukraine and Russia and they're wanting to talk supposedly. So this time they may work out something. This time there may be a peaceful resolve a diplomatic end that will calm it down, but I'm telling you beforehand, if they do, it will not last because there is an anointing in the earth in the end time for the last days that will bring Russia, whether or not it's Putin and maybe someone else, but to where they will rise to their power because all the armies will gather into the valley of Megiddo and it will be Gog and Magog, Meshach and Tubal and they will come from the north and there the Lord Jesus will come and descend out of heaven and set one foot upon one side of the mountain, the other on the other and the children of Israel will run into that as they did in the days of Uziel and there they will find their consolation. Why? Because that is a prophetic war. And I don't care who does anything about it, they will never stop it. Now, is this one a prophetic war? I'm not sure. But I do know this, the saints of God are in the most secure place they can ever be. I read some about the bombs and the uh, bunker busters and things of that nature that are made by man. And it's quite phenomenal when you read about all the things that man comes up with. So here we are in designing and building our sixth generation fighters and some of the stealth things that we have. And some of the other nations of the world are, are buying fourth generation and some fifth generation and you know to where the mock speeds aren't in fact as fast and they don't have the stealth capability, even our government uh, reserving the F-35s, the particular models of the F-35s because of the stealth capability and things that they have. So eventually there'll be an F-35 that will be shot out of the air. 
And no doubt is the one that ran off of the, the ship and went down into the China Sea and they're trying to retrieve it and they're concerned about China getting to it before America does. Eventually somebody will find out what the, the, the composite material is and the combination of the composition of that material and they will find the secret because it's always that way. Man will come up with some type of weapon and the enemy will come up with another weapon which will counteract his weapon and then all the millions of dollars they spent have been wasted. But the Lord called his church and ordained his church and in the book of Acts, he gave them everything they would ever need and he knew it would never be outdated. Now let me tell you something, the things that some of the, the saints that are sitting here today and we have those that have been in the uh, Marines and the military and they could tell us about different guns and Brother Darrell not here today with us but he could stand up here and explain to you about the howitzers and the different guns that he fought with whenever he was there in the army and he could tell us about it. Well, those things, they probably wouldn't even use them today because they're outdated, they're antiques. And now they've got things that are so much faster and so much better. And they've got helmets that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars that the air pilots will wear. And they're, they're coming up with robots. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. But they're coming up with robots that have little mini machine guns that are mounted on them. And many of them are the size of a dog. And I saw a dispatch of them the other day. And they will send these little robots inside to where the enemy is is and with these little machine guns they also have little missile launchers where they can launch well all they'll do somebody else will come up with a bad cat and they'll send a cat in there and them cats will whoop up on them dogs so don't you see what man does man does one thing and the enemy comes up with something better and then he'll come up with something better than that but God didn't have to do that God came up with the very best at the first and he's never had to change it for 2,000 years. And what is that? It is a church that are mobilized out in this spiritual warfare that we are in. But God does not give them theology. God does not give them church anity and say, well, I belong to church and I go to church and I try to do my best. No, but God wants to give them himself. He wants to take a portion of that spirit, the great mystery part that was in God's mind. You see, God and Satan are both in this great battle which is the sons of darkness and the sons of light and it is that both of them desire basically the same thing they go by different means to achieve it but Satan wants the people of the earth for his people he wants to inhabit their bodies he wants to control them he wants them to do what he wants them to do he wants to send them all types of pleasures and all types of things of the earth that will satisfy the flesh. And he wants to take them to hell because he knows the shortest span of time that he will have with them is now. So how many 16-year-old boys and girls died last night? Maybe just got their driver's license and hadn't had them very long at all and they stopped at a liquor store or something and, and they drunk something, run off the road and they died. And that 16-year-old boy or girl go out of this world in a lost condition. 
But Satan knows that is a very short time that he will have them compared to them going into the regions of the lost and then being raised and being judged and them going there and burning in that place for hundreds of years or thousands of years or however long it will be. But God does not look at it that way. God does not want to take anything from us without giving us something that is so much better. But Satan wants to take the best that we have, whatever that would be, and give us much worse. Now this is why that Satan is on the rampage in the day that we're living and he tries to get people, you know, sidetracked on drugs and alcohol and things that will satisfy the flesh. And remember Revelation prophesies to us that and calls it in the English, they translated it, and they used the word sorceries. That's what it is in the, in the book of Revelation. But the, actually, the Greek word is actually drugs. So it is the word that pharmacia, for we get the word pharmacy from, and it is the word that God said they would not repent of their sorceries. Now, it's not witchcraft that they're offering blood to the devil and all that sort of thing, but it's actually drugs. Now, think of it. We, our nation, the world is under an onslaught and it is a drug war. Why? Because people cannot cope with life. They're looking for something to satisfy. You know, since the COVID thing and the outbreak, the increase of alcohol consumption has increased around the world. The increase of drugs and the increase of all of these types of things because people are looking for something to help them cope with life, to help them deal with life. Well, where did they get that? It's actually a soul inside of them that is craving for God. They don't know it. They really don't even realize, many of them, and Satan has a substitute there to give them something that they will what? Wind up taking their life. And it's increasing constantly to where that the people of the world feel like they have nothing to live for, no reason to live. So they try a hit of this and a smoke of that and a pill for this and another pill for that. And what is it? It's nothing but the enemy trying to invade humanity. And many of them, they never intend on getting to a place to where they're addicted. They never plan on getting to a spot to where they can't live without it. Of course not. They may try it the first time at a party or try it with a buddy or a friend. And yet, my, they think, well, whatever, I'll just try it. And little do they know that from there it will be a lifetime of ruination. Oh, but I'm so glad that Father God has made a way for those of us who will accept it. Now, remember the story that the Lord gave me several, several years ago on the story of redemption. And I, if you, I don't know if you call it or not, but I preach it to you like this, that here a man goes into a pawn shop and he has these certain tickets with these certain numbers. And he knows that he has these goods that were pawned at this particular place and he goes in and he pulls out these tickets. And the man goes up and he said, okay, here's 0091, here's 0092, 93, 94, and he goes down and he's just taking ticket after ticket after ticket. But the man also looks there and he sees other items that's on there. Now let's say it in such a way that you'll be able to understand it like a human. And the man brings up his buggy and he's got it loaded up with a DeWalt power saw and he has a jigsaw and he's got a side cutter and he's got this and that and the other and now he's got proof that he has the ticket for those and those are his. 
But the man also picks up this one along the way and that one along the way and that one along the way. Why? Because he can see from their plight on the shelf, they're for sale. And he offers them a way out. Now remember, those who have those preordained tickets are those by his own personal possession. But then John 3, 16 kicks in while he's in the shop there. And he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So in this great house, in this big swoop of redemption, he comes out with those elected ones which he has a matching part, which matches their number. And he also, comes with that gathering and he gathers others that was there. Why? Because they did not want to remain in that pawn shop. Another aspect of the story is that a young man goes up to with a hike on his, with his friend and they go to a certain place and the young man falls and he breaks his leg and he cannot get out and the, the friend with him cannot get him out. So the young boy remembers that he has his phone with him and he calls his father and he tells him where he is and the father does the GPS location and finds out where they are and will say they're over at the blue hole and they got down there and the boy broke his leg and they couldn't get out. And uh, they're trying to get the boy out. Now his friend also fall and injures himself. And now they're both there and they can't get out. They barely have enough water and food to survive a couple of days. So he gets enough signal to get a hold of his father. And he lets his daddy know where he is and his daddy comes with a rescue team. Well, you know, there's one of them boys that actually belongs to the father. He could do a DNA test. Yep, it would run right back to the beginning. From my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, and that DNA is in this boy. But here is his friend. He's also there. He broke his leg. He is not of this father's DNA, but he finds compassion in the heart of this father. And this father looks at him and said, you know what? You were kind to my boy. You were kind to my boy, hallelujah. I am also gonna bring you out. I'm gonna redeem you. Aren't you glad that's the way our father does? You see, those who preach election and predestination and such of a side that it leaves out the church natural, they totally miss the very projection of the heart of God. So what is the battle that we're dealing with today? What are all the world powers? Now, I guarantee you that the heads of the UN Council and NATO and all of them, they're very frightened today. You probably know that Mr. Putin threatened Finland and he also threatened one of the other countries there if they joined NATO. And then now France is also saying back, Mr. Putin needs to remember NATO also has nuclear warfare. So now what are they doing? They're rattling their sabers. But one of these days, friends, there won't be just rattles, it will be exploding everywhere. So you and I need to keep in mind that the Lord Jesus is here preparing a people for a prepared place. 
So there will be an onslaught as we can see it. And no doubt you've seen it on your phones and you've seen pictures of the bleeding people leading their apartments and all that sort of thing and how sad it is. But that is only a natural warfare. There's a more spiritual warfare, which is even worse, going on every day of our life. There may be people sitting here today under the sound of my voice or that will stream this service. And you're in a worse case scenario spiritually than what Ukraine is naturally. Peace might be in the making in a few days. Who knows for the Ukrainians. And something may turn it around. But man cannot turn around your situation. Your mama cannot be your diplomatic representative. Your father cannot be your diplomatic representative to go between you and God and say, God, have mercy on my boy. Sure, he can pray for you, but your daddy cannot be the mediator. There's only one, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. But you see, the sad part about it is that people choose to be in this chaos. They choose to be in this war, and we were born rebels against God. All of us were. And that onslaught of the war goes on, and when we come to the earth, then Satan, by that fallen nature, we're more akin to him than we was to God by nature, and Satan puts all these things around us of the world, and he begins to pull on us and pull on us and pull on us to keep us away from God. Then if he cannot keep you away from God that you feel a pull toward him then he will try to load you down with so much baggage that you think I could never serve him I could never live for him I've done so many things I've got so many memories in my mind of this and that and the other I wish somebody would preach with me this morning But yet the Spirit of God is able to help us and make us so brand new that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now you see, this is the way the Lord Jesus started this warfare in the changing of the dispensations in the book of Acts, and that was to give his soldiers his own life. So here we know then that God, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And then he also, in verse 19, he has committed unto us the word and the ministry of reconciliation. So then we also are to try to reconcile those who want to be reconciled. But how must it be done? Well, by handing out a tract or a book or trying to get somebody to join our church when we don't have a church membership. Well, Brother Donnie, I'd like to join the church. I want to put my name on y'all's book. We don't have a book. We got a few song books. We don't use them anymore. So you can't put your name on no book here because we don't have one. But what we want to do is point you to the book where it really matters, and that is in heaven. Now, the Lord Jesus must have preeminence in our lives. I hope you understand, I know you do, that he does not just want this in the lives of preachers. He doesn't just want it in the lives of the deacons or the lives of the older people. But the Lord Jesus wants preeminence in the life of every young man sitting here today. Every young woman, the Lord Jesus wants preeminence in your life. You mean, what, you mean he wants to be able to control me? Yes. Oh, I ain't going to be controlled by anybody. Yes, you will, you're going to be controlled either by Satan or by God. The choice is up to you. And the Lord God desires to bring us to a spot that as we've been reading here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 
So God wants us to be able to declare that the excellency of the power would be of God and not of us. Who is it that raises up men and puts them down? What if another Russian boy decided he wanted to be the president over Russia? Uh, you know what? It's not, it doesn't come that way just because a man decides on his own. But there is a power that raises men and puts them even on the negative side of the timeline. Is that right? Now there's people that must fulfill prophecy on the negative side as there are people that must fulfill prophecy on the positive side. I'm glad I'm on that side. And in the great house that we looked at last Sunday in 2 Timothy 2.20, Paul says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. Now, in the great scheme of things, in the great prophetic calendar of God, there has always been Nebuchadnezzars, there have been Nebuchadnezzar Dan's, there have been Nebuchadnezzar, there's been all these different ones down through time, but yet God himself knows when they will live. And God is able to even take a heathen like Nebuchadnezzar and move him into the prophetic wheel in order for certain things to come to pass, though himself never give his heart to God. But God don't want his children just to be a tool that he moves on the board, as we would say, and God is moving them around and manipulating them, but God wants his children to be vessels in whom he dwells in whom the Spirit of God comes in and indwells in them deity inside of us. Now what's this in the Ephesian church age? I must caution you to ever keep in mind that religion, spiritual matters if you like, is composed of two parts that intertwine, notice now, they intertwine. So it's not like there's one part over here and another part over there, but they are so close together that they intertwine. Now this is the way it was in the Garden of Eden of the branches of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They stood so close in the Garden of Eden that their branches were intertwined. What, what are you saying? So you have to be very careful and which branch you're pulling your existence from. Because it's not like the tree of life is standing right here and it's so perfectly labeled and identified and then you go way over here and the tree of knowledge is way over there and it's so different. No doubt the tree of knowledge and the tree of life look so much alike it would have took an eye of real perception to be able to look at it and differentiate between the two. Remember the parable that the Lord Jesus gave about the tares. And the word there is darnel. Now darnel is a very peculiar plant. And whenever he, he used that word, he said that it was sown among the wheat. And I studied this several years ago, that the darnel actually looks like a wheat plant. So whenever it's planted, it comes right up out of the ground, looks like the initial stages of what we know to be justification. Whenever it comes up into the second stage, it looks still like the wheat plant. Now what the darnel does is it begins to intertwine its roots around the wheat plant while they're still in a state of infancy. As it gets taller and taller, still maintaining the image of the wheat. Even when it comes up to the life cycle, still looks like wheat. 
And whenever the Lord Jesus talks about this and he said, Lord, you know, the men asked him, said, should we go out there? The enemy sowed this bad seed among your wheat. Should we go out there and pull it up? He said, leave it alone. Leave it alone lest you pull up the good too. How could that be? Because in the ground, in the ground, they're so intertwined, the darnel wraps itself around the wheat roots. So if you pull up the darnel, you'll pull the wheat right out too. But you know how you can tell the difference between wheat and darnel? Whenever you eat it. You see, the darnel will come to the stage and look almost identical to the wheat. It takes a real trained farmer to be able to know the difference. And people actually have eaten darnel, and depending on the dosage of how much they eat, it can kill you. Now, if you get just a minor church dose, let me say it this way, it causes you to hallucinate. And it causes you to look at things and you're seeing things even though they're not there. I mean, you look at the Godhead and you see three instead of one. You know what I'm saying? So, so you, you eat this darnel and it affects your perception and your vision, your perception of death and, and on all of that. But this is what, and it can actually kill you. So this is what that Paul was referring to in the great house called the kingdom of God. So in the kingdom of God, there's vessels of gold and vessels of silver and then there's ones of clay. Now we're talking about the soul, not so much the body. And their destiny of where they come from and what they will be. So notice this, and the prophet goes on to say, it is composed of two parts that intertwine, but are as opposite as black and white. Religion and the spiritual world are made of those two trees which had their roots in Eden. Both the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil stood in the midst of the garden and no doubt their very branches, Brother Joel, intertwined each other. Their very branches intertwined each other. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 24, it would be so close it would deceive the very elected if it were possible. Thus, in the Ephesian church is the same paradox. The church is made up of good and bad. Now, the church, the church is made up of good and bad. And it is always the bad that gives the church a, a terrible name. And people say, oh, you do you go to such and such? Yeah, I'll go up there. Oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. He goes up there. Oh, yeah, he flirted with my wife. Oh, you don't you go up there to so-and-so church? Yeah, I go there. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. Well, that man's the biggest liar. He's the crookedest businessman you ever dealt with in your life. Well, praise the Lord. And then people will let that stick out to them instead of the good. But remember, we don't say there ain't bad here, but we're not working on so much the bad. We're trying to focus on the good. Well, people will take bad preachers and throw all pre preachers in the same pile. Don't pile me with that bunch of devils because I don't belong in that pile. I pile up with the good guys. Well, come on now. It's the same with saints of God. People want to take the bad and lay it on you. Well, many of you are not bad people. You're not thieves. You're not liars. You're not this, that, the other. But yet people want to put you in that same pile. Well, don't look at me strange by saying the word pile. The Bible says they would heap to themselves teacher. What's a heap? A pile. So you pile them up in a big pile. So that's exactly what's going on. But God renders his and separates them from the others. 
Now, notice this, oh my. He will, it, it's just phenomenal how that God does this. The very branches that will intertwine as it was in the Garden of Eden, the two vines make the church. They are like the wheat and the tares growing up side by side, but one is the true and the other is the false. Now, God will speak to each one and he will talk about each one. He will call them the church. Now notice what God will do. God will actually call them the church. So whenever God says church, both good and bad say, huh? God says church and both say, yes? You wanted something, Lord? (laughs) Oh, glory. Notice this. The other one, we see that on the other side are false, the tares, the darnell, the darkness, and so on. But then on the left side are the real people of God. But God, when he addresses them, he calls them church. Now, this, to be honest with you, this is one something that lays in our subconscious that we like being identified as bride because we don't like being called church. And the truth of it is, is because seeing what church is and what the church does. But God, actually, if you notice in the church age book, he doesn't say cause he elect bride and the church church, but he calls them both church. <laughs> I'll give you something to think about over your dinner this evening. Now watch, he will call them both church and only the elect will know which is the true spirit. So he will address them both as church. He come to the earth and said, I come to establish my church. And both of them will say, yes, that's me, that's me. And then every one of them, of course, is believing they're the right ones and they're pointing their finger at everybody else. You're not the right one. You're not the right one. And both of them are doing very similar things. They're trying to win people to what they believe. They're trying to bring people under their wing because that's what they're teaching them is the place of safety. I don't mind telling you, if the bombs is gonna go flying, after a while, I want more than a church book to have my name on it. If bombs is gonna go to flying after a while, I wanna have more than just church entity to hide under. I wanna hide under the rock of ages. Oh my, only the elect will really know which is the true spirit. Only the elect will not be deceived. And he quotes the scripture in Matthew 24, 24, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall sow great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Look friend, how close it's gonna be. It's gonna be so close, so close to the real move of God. It would deceive the elect if it's possible. Remember, it's not possible. So way back there in the early church, a very short period after Pentecost, the false vine got to intertwine itself around the true vine. And we find these deeds of the Nicolaitans. And that spirit is going to be found fighting. Notice now this is one way that it'll always be true. The false vine will always fight the true. Now this is amazing because we've had false vines, of course said among us, every church age did, but the false vine, many of them, it's not that they can just leave and join up with other false viners, but they must leave and fight the true when they are gone. One of the best signs that you're dealing with somebody that more than likely a lot of them will never come back. You see, some that leave and don't fight, I have hope for them. 
That's right, but if they're a false vine by seed, it's in them and they get out from under the presence of that sun. And remember, the sun is not only ripening the wheat, it is ripening the darnel. The evening light is ripening Russia. The evening light is ripening America. The evening light is ripening the bride. Oh, praise the Lord, friends. You can't stop it. Oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. It don't make no difference whether you're ready or not. Here you come. Here you go. Oh, my. Notice, so the false vine got to intertwine itself around the true vine, and we find these deeds of the Nicolaitans. And that spirit is going to be found fighting the true vine until it is destroyed by God. Now listen, so those who fight the true vine of God, God himself, we do not have to go on the defense and say, oh my, we're gonna call everybody's name that left the message and we're gonna build a website and expose them for who they are. That's not our place to destroy them. Our Father will take care of them. You see, this is why we wanna be careful what we fight against to make sure that we're fighting against the right thing. Now, notice again in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself, if a man therefore purge himself from these, now these that he's mentioned was the false teachers, Hymenius and Philetus, as we looked at before, he shall be a vessel unto honor. So the important thing is that a person that has given their life to the Lord Jesus, that they remain in that honorable state to where the Lord that can always use them to where their vessel is constantly subject to the outpouring of the Spirit of God that God might use you or you or you or you to be able to witness to somebody and to be able to share with them there is a hope of life. There's a better life, friend. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to be hooked on that bottle or them pills or whatever more. You don't have to belong just to a church that you go in there and sit 15 minutes and you go to sleep and sit there and sleep the whole time you're there. There is a better way. There our church is alive with the power of God. God don't want that just in the pulpit. He wants it in the pews as well. Now these refer to the vessels of dishonor. But you see, that which is clean and set apart must constantly be aware that the vessels of impurity and uncleanness are all around them every day. Satan with all of his cohorts of hell. And don't just get in your mind that it's sexual sins or it's you know smoking, drinking, running around. No, it can be hatred. It can be an unforgiving spirit. It can be a know-it-all attitude. It can be a smart aleck attitude. Well, come on now. And what does it do? It renders the vessel unusable because of the contact of that evil. And that person takes this thing inside of their heart and their spirit and they get bitter. Don't you ever think that bitterness will just stay between you and one individual? It may start there, but it'll go beyond that to another person, to another, to another. You'll be so miserable you don't even enjoy life. It'll ruin life for you when you become in that state. And then you actually, Brother Donnie, are they lost? I'm not saying they're lost. They're unusable. They're contaminated. Their vessel is no longer pure. My, they've got this old spirit on them, this old thing that's agitating and it's just terrible to be around them. And they're no longer a usable vessel in the presence of God. 
Notice Paul is writing here to Timothy and he calls Timothy his son of the gospel. And Paul, oh my, how, how proud as far as a father, a spiritual father, over the paternal ability that God gave him to be able to father this son in the gospel. But he wants Timothy to know, even though that you've been born again, and even though you are a great spokesman for the kingdom of God, and you are truly filled with the Holy Ghost, yet Timothy, keep in mind that you must beware and you must watch of the uncleanness that is around you every day in the world. If it was that way then, I wonder what Paul would say today. He was his choicest disciple. Notice this in verse 21, he says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. So now Paul had himself once been a vessel from the soul, a vessel that was of the earth, a vessel that was of wood, a vessel that was carnal, had no value. And he harbored what? Hatred, variance, my love to kill the people of God, love to put the people of God in jail. Here's a man that was a vessel. He was a vessel that Satan was using against the very economy of God. Is that right? And all God needed to do is empty out the owner of that vessel and fill it with a new owner. And that man came with more zeal to bring more people to the kingdom of God than any of the rest of the apostles there was in the New Testament. What was it? The vessel, the human vessel was the same. It was the owner that made the difference. You see, when Satan owned Paul, he hated the saints of God. He hated the message of the hour. He hated the Lord Jesus. But when the Lord God emptied him out and filled him up with his own life, then what did he do? He said, brother, in this way that I persecuted, I become a believer of it. I believe it with all of my heart and was able to do more in the age of missions of going out than any other man in the first church age. What a great man. I wasn't, and yet it was the same human body, the same makeup, Paul still had his flaws and no doubt his weakness just like you and I did, but God was not just looking at that part. God was looking at the goal, the deity inside the soul. Oh, notice this, the prophet said now, in his corporal body, he sits at the right hand of God. You believe that, don't you? But the Holy Spirit is here working through his sanctified vessel. Now, I want you to notice how important it is that Paul identified these vessels as being sanctified. Sanctified, set apart, clean. God will not use a vessel that is filled with filthiness of the world. And the prophet picks it up and said, the Holy Spirit is here working through his sanctified vessels. And God has said in the church first, what first he says? Apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists, then pastors, is that right? For the perfecting of the church, God has did it. It's not the preacher that preaches, it's God preaching through it. It's not the prophets that sees the vision, it's God speaking through it. Now this is the way God started his church. So God didn't have to wait and start it out. Well, I'm gonna use this old trashy stuff here. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna use awful things. I'm gonna use this absolutely terrible, terrible stuff. I'm gonna start using preachers. It's awful, 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 awful. And then at the end time, I'm gonna wind up and I'm gonna get rid of all the preachers. God started out using preachers. He's gonna finish up using preachers. God started out using human beings. He's gonna finish up using human beings. 
not mechanical devices. Praise the Lord. Notice again, the prophet said, no matter how much you was dedicated on the altar, how many times you were sprinkled, baptized, poured, whatever it is, you're still a sinner. That innocent baby that I just dedicated a few moments to the Lord. What did I do? You notice me when I dedicate babies. I pray more for the mom and daddy than I do the baby. Because the baby itself, it will be years before that baby will be able to do anything for itself and help its spirituality. But who is, is the great tie post of much of that baby's destiny? Mother and father. But my, that little baby is so innocent. Yet the prophet said that a person who's truly born again by the Spirit of God is even more innocent than that beautiful little girl that you saw up here a while ago in my arms. Why? Because that mom and daddy, with no choice of their own, of course, handed down and that baby was born still under the curse of sin. Is that right? And one day, if time tarries, that little baby girl will go into a toddler and then she'll become four or five years old, whatever, and she will have to receive the Lord Jesus as her Savior. Me dedicating her on the altar will not keep her her entire life. Oh my, well, I'll tell you what, my mama took me up there. That's all I need. No, you gotta get the Holy Ghost. Notice the prophet said, you repent and God recognizes and seals that promise with the Holy Spirit, that's right. Then you're born again, then you're a son and daughter of God. It's regeneration, a new creation. Then your attributes, your thoughts are not like they were. Your life is not like it was. You become a complete surrendered vessel of God. Oh my, a complete surrendered vessel. This is what we are, a vessel of God. We're a vessel of God to God's service. Notice, this is what we are. We were a vessel of hell, a vessel of the devil. Then we become a vessel of God. Notice a complete surrendered vessel to God and he speaks and uses you and you're not your own no more but you're bought with a price. That's the price of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of it. But the devil would rather you'd smoke. God wants to give you fire. The devil wants to give you smoke. God wants to make you part of a vision. The devil would rather you'd settle for television. Well, I believe in a television too. That's why I still listen to tapes. God sent us a prophet with eyes to be able to look into the fourth dimension and he told us a vision. It's not ABC, CBS, NBC. It's G-O-D channel. So God projecting those things that we needed. And look at us here today. Well, every one of us are a human vessel. Every sinner out here is a human vessel. And they're surrendering. Go to church? Ah, I don't want nothing to do with church. I'm gonna go get drunk to see them. Well, that's exactly what the devil wants them to do. I'm gonna go shoot up. I, I, I'm gonna run around with somebody else's wife. I'm gonna do this, that. So they are taking their vessel and submitting it to demonic power. Let me just be frank and honest with you. Mr. Putin today is submitting his mind, his mechanism of his army to demonic anointing. Even his own people in Russia, many of them do not go along with what's going on. Is that right? Why? Because they got enough sense to know. Why ain't he got enough sense? Why he's a brilliant man, a member of the KGB and all kinds of things. So it's not your smartness. You see where your intelligence leads you to, don't you? Oh my. 
Notice this, he veiled Jesus as a humble little man to keep them from seeing Jehovah. Wow. He veils himself today in earthen vessels with the Shekinah. The outside looks like a bunch of holy setters. I've got to change that quote now because we don't roll no more. We just all set. Like a bunch of holy rollers, all badger skins, but the inside hides the Shekinah glory. I love this in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification. Wow. Look at the meaning of the word here. You can see the Greek word there. Hey, Jesus. Holiness. Consecration. Purification. Sanctification of heart and life. This is the will of God, even your set-apartness. People don't understand, well, why do y'all dress different? Why do you different? Why don't you go here? Why don't you do that? This is the will of God for us. Well, it ain't for me. Well, maybe it ain't for you, but it is for us. I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm not saying sanctification is for everybody, but it is for the wife. Why? What was the engagement words that was exchanged between a man and a woman when they entered into the betrothal or the engagement? I sanctify thee to me, to the law of Moses and of Israel. And the woman would say, I am sanctified to thee according to the law of Moses and of Israel. That meant she's not to run around with any other man. That meant he's not to be flirting around with any other woman. He is sanctified to her. She is sanctified to him. The Lord Jesus is sanctified to his wife and he expects his wife to be sanctified back to him. Oh my Notice, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Now, we've been so far gone from this ancient background of ours as Gentiles, from Greeks, Parthenians, Sophonies, so much of our background, but in our past was terrible, terrible uncleanness. Among the Greeks, fornication was considered to be a virtue. Now the word fornication here comes from the word pornea, where we get the word pornography from. So it means more than just illicit sex between unmarried people. So it takes in a whole group of sexual sins. Now remember, Paul is writing uh, this in the book of Thessalonians. Thessalonica was the city. It was a Greek city. They were filled with brothels. Even in the houses of worship, they had prostitutes there. And that was part of worship. You hired a prostitute when you worshiped. Can't you see why God considers the church denominations harlots? So whenever some of these Gentile, these Greeks got saved, 
they were having a hard time separating from this filth of what they were raised up. They didn't, they did not teach them it was wrong. Now you imagine you were taught from a child that it was all right for you to do these things. So they were taught it was embedded in them. And some of them after they got saved, they were still struggling. What's wrong with going out and you know uh, living with somebody and doing this? I, I'm still a Christian. Paul said, what? How, how do you think you can be this? How do you think that you can be a child of God and live this kind of a life? The will of God for you, he said, is sanctification. So that you will be set apart from the world. But my daddy did it. But you're of a new father now. You're of a new kingdom. So you don't live like your daddy, your uncle. Well, everybody in my family has a girlfriend. And even though they're married. And well, I do too. I've got a girlfriend. But it happens to be she's my wife. It's been the same one that I've had for 49 years. And I really like her too. But you know what, for some of these early Christians, they were having major problems. Cause whenever the need of the flesh would arise, they would just go hire a prostitute. They would just go do this. And then Paul said, oh no, 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 no. God will give you power to hold that in your body and restrain it. Now, I don't want to go too much where you'll understand what I'm talking about, but the Holy Ghost gives you power over the lust in your flesh. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. Come on now, saints, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, but it's not just sanctification from fornication. It's sanctification from the wrong kind of music, the wrong kind of books, the wrong kind of websites, the wrong kind of movies, the wrong kind of associates, the wrong kind of fellowship. It is sanctification from anything that pulls you away from the presence of God. Anything that will make you unclean and cause the Holy Spirit to want to pull away from you. See, Brother Branham even talked about when you gossip, you sisters get on the phone and gossip. He said, that dove just flies away. Why? Because you've contaminated You've contaminated yourself, entering into that gossip and this and that and the other, and he cannot feel that fellowship there. Oh, we need to start a revival maybe. (laughs) Notice this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable, in holiness. Now, people want to know why we believe in holiness. Well, because the Bible talks about it. Amen. I know it's strange and it's weird, but we actually believe the Bible here at our church. Amen. We don't just pack it under our arms. It's in our heart. Amen. Notice now, up here on the other verse, he said, this is the will of God for you. Now he's going to set it to them that he may establish, or establish as we'd say it, establish your hearts unblameable in holiness. Now, we should know Paul did not pray that they would be without fault or sinless. Now in Christ Jesus, you're sinless because your sacrifice is. But there ain't one person sitting here today beginning with the pulpit to the back door that ain't got faults, failures, and shortcomings. And you have to ask God to forgive you for it. Anybody here? We're glad to have all the rest of you angels here with us. How in the world could Paul pray then that they would be, as he termed it, unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints? It would have been impossible.
impossible for Paul to say, I'm praying that y'all will be without fault. I'm praying that y'all won't have no more humanity left. He knew better. But yet he prayed they would be unblameable. How could they be blameless? This is the key. Even if they make a mistake, they know the way back and they know what to do to fix it. So if any man sin, I write unto you, little children, that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ the righteous, who is a perpetuation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So when we do something wrong, what do we do? We come back, Lord, I I shouldn't have said that. Lord, I shouldn't have thought that. Lord, I I shouldn't have done that. I'm so sorry. Do you understand what you're doing? You're being presented blameless in holiness before the Lord God. I thank God for his mercy during those times. I know you you look at me weird every time I say it, but I still believe we can live so close to God, the Holy Ghost can prevent a lot of these things if we'll let him. Oh, people talk about such grace, such grace. I've done this and I've done this and the Lord forgive me of that and forgive me of that. I thank God for all that too. But I believe we can live so close to God, the devil don't even know what to do with us. I believe a lot of the traps that we fall into can be sprung by the Holy Ghost before you ever get to them. Oh, my. You see, whenever we fall short of the glory of God, we come back God's provided way and it releases us from that stain against us. It releases us from the stain against us and there we are again, unblameable before him in holiness. Oh, hallelujah. You see, when God in us takes away that love of the world, of the cosmos and the order of the world. It increases our love so much for him that it establishes holiness within us. So holiness is not just putting on a dress. Well, I think I'm gonna start going up to Happy Valley. I think I'll go down and buy me a holiness dress. I'm gonna be one of them skirt women. I'm gonna give me a skirt. That ain't holiness. Holiness first begins in here. Now you and I both know of people that wore long dresses and got long hair, got a big old long tongue about that long to match it. They cause more trouble in the church than a drunk would. Why? Because everybody thinks they're a believer with long hair and long dress. But if holiness does not begin within you, then you'll never have it on the outside. Oh, but if you've got it on the inside, it will work its way to the outside. Yes, you will dress right, you will do right, but you do it because it is a virtue of the nature that's in your soul. Instead of you complying and complying, and then you get more, I'm leaving, I'm leaving the church. What's the first thing women will do? Cut their hair, put on britches. What's the first thing men will do? Get them a pair of short-legged britches so they can show them ugly gorilla legs they've got. Oh my goodness, I'll tell you what it beats all I ever said. I believe men's worse than women are in this day we're living in. You see men, I seen one out yesterday and it was so cold, it would freeze, I don't know what all. And yet here a man sat there in short-legged britches and had on a, a big old sweatshirt and a long, you think, what in the world is the matter with people? You're putting on a coat to keep from freezing to death and your britches legs halfway cut off above your knee and you're trying to stay warm? Lord, come. Whew. 
this is the will of God. Even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. I love this next verse. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification. Wow, here we go with this sanctification word again. Paul must have been a holiness preacher. That every one of us, this is the ultimate end of us all, right before the rapture, that we learn how to possess our vessel. Our vessel. We learn how to possess it, so we turn our heads. We turn our heads. Having a cross on your mirror, my brother, is not gonna keep you from looking at the wrong thing unless you've got a power within your head that turns it. You can have 57 crosses on your mirror and sit there and Google eye, Google eye, Google eye, but that cross ain't doing you not one bit of good unless the work of the cross has established itself in your heart first. And if the work of the cross establishes itself in you, that cross is only a reminder. Turn your head, turn your head. Well, I'll tell you what, this is just old-fashioned pinto beans and cornbread preaching at it. (laughs) Don't look down on that. I was raised on that. Pinto beans, cornbread, and fried taters. That every one of you should know. How do you know? Look, if you can't have a smartphone without that thing being your downfall, you're tempted to go on this website and that. I, I would rather have me an old grandma phone. I'd rather have me an old grandpa phone that didn't have the internet. It didn't have access to this and that. All I could do was get phone calls and none from hell, none from the devil. Hallelujah. I would rather have that and have my vessel in possession than to be lost. Let's stand. This is too good to rush. We'll pick it up again. But I ain't gonna tell you whether it'll be Sunday or Wednesday. Who knows, I might pull a fasting on you and do it Wednesday night. All right. But you better show up Wednesday, you better show up Sunday because you just don't know. Every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. What does it break it down for us? Treat your body, possess his vessel, Paul said. Treat your body as the property of God. So when you get on your phone, no trespassing signs. Satan will have all kinds of things there, but you need a no trespassing sign on your eyes. My goodness, friends, you can't even go to Lowe's to buy a bottle of glue, to buy a bag of nails, Without rock and roll going, what in the world has rock and roll got to do with lumber? I feel like taking a text and jumping up on one of them cash registers and saying, everybody wake up! You're probably saying, Lord God, we're going to see his picture in the paper again. (laughs) What's that got to do with it? 
Oh, but I like walking into Hobby Lobby. Oh, praise God. You walk out of Hobby Lobby and you walk over it at home and you realize you're not at home. What in the world? Don't you understand? Rock and roll is preparing the people. Me and Carol was in a store yesterday and there's a little girl in there dancing to the music just going over the speakers our clothing store. And this little girl was in there dancing to the music. Just a little bitty old girl. Thank God for you young people that want to come to church. Want to possess your vessel and say, Jesus, I'll not dance till you dance me. Hallelujah. I'll not fill my vessel with carnality. I'll not do it, Lord. This body... This body, this old jug, this old urn is a vessel of the habitation of the Spirit of God. And each one of us are responsible for our vessel. Not in the lust of concupiscence, which is uncontrolled sexual desire or other lusts that are even as the Gentiles which know not God I just wanted to give you a break I'm going to read one more quote and the word saints comes from the word sanctified one and sanctifies a compound word which means cleansed and set apart and the vessels that was put on the altar Cleanse the vessels. The altar sanctified the vessels and they were set apart for the service of the temple. And the vessel of God, which we are, is sanctified through the blood of the Lord Jesus. So when they build the tabernacle of witness, they tell them to build so and so out of brass and silver and gold and this and that. And then when they would bring the vessels in, what made that gold different from the rest of the gold out there in the pile? The altar. So they set the vessel on the altar, and when it did, the altar itself sanctified the vessel. Whenever Solomon built his temple, remember the glory of the Lord was so great, the priest couldn't even minister. Then when Nebuchadnezzar and them come, and they got there, and then second generation, they took the vessels of the house of God and started drinking out of it. It made God so angry. So angry. Why? The altar had touched those vessels. This is why God gets upset at us sometimes when we will take our vessels that's been touched by the blood of the Lord Jesus and we'll give them over to the devil in the world. Praise God. Don't you want your vessel to be a vessel that God can use? Let's just bow our heads if you would. Oh, Lord God. You see, it's Satan's strategy to take empty vessels and fill them with the world. We have to say he's doing a a good job as far as the world is concerned. With hate, there's never been so much racial strife. There's never been so much political strife. Our our nation is so divided by politics. People fussing, fighting, arguing. Families are divided. COVID ain't just made us sick. It's made people fuss and fight. 
Churches are divided because of COVID, whether to mask or not mask. Vaccine or not vaccine. Some people look at it, bless God, you're not doing what the prophet of God said if you don't get a vaccine. Others say, brother, you might ought to read this, this quote right here. And then they go back and forth and back and forth. Families divided because of COVID. Shame on us if we let it divide us. Learn to possess your vessel. That means your opinions too. That means your beliefs about certain things. That means your attitude. Learn to possess your vessel. You that's streaming today, would you just bow your head with us in your home there, your office, wherever you are? Lord Jesus, as we approach you today, Father, we come to the altar because without that, we would all be dead. But there is the sacrificial atonement of the Lord Jesus. So we pray, first of all, you'd forgive us of our wrongs, our shortcomings. Forgive us for being us, mainly, Lord. My whole problem is just being me, not the soul, the human part. Ain't nobody I can blame for me being no closer to God today. I can't blame my wife. Can't blame my children. Can't blame nobody here in the church. There's only one person I can blame, and that's me. Father, help us to possess our vessel. But Lord, we're living in an age of people's rights. So people just get on Facebook and rattle about this and that and the other. And well, I'm going to give somebody a piece of my mind. I'm going to say this and that and the other. And they don't understand they're getting anointed with old lay out of sin spirit. So discord and trouble among brethren. Help us, Father, to possess our mouths. No wonder the Bible says be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. One of the greatest possessions some of these people will ever possess it's not the gates of smoking. It's not the gates of marijuana. It's the gate of their mouth. Learning to keep their mouth shut when it's not appropriate. For others, it may be temper. For others, it may be other things. Whatever it is, the elect of God will learn to possess their vessel in sanctification. Well, I know a lot of message folks probably don't know this scripture exists. Because it don't say Malachi 4. So if it don't say Malachi 4, they really don't know a whole lot more. A lot of them don't. They probably don't know that this scripture is even important. But this is one of your words. We can keep every quote that Brother Branham said, or so-called. But the prophet never come to take us away from the Bible. If we do not keep these scriptures that we have heard today, we are not rapture ready. Help us, I pray, Father. To learn to possess our vessel in sanctification. Merciful God, once again we call upon your great name. The world powers today, the G7, they have met. NATO countries have met. Through diplomacy, they have tried to talk about this and that and the other. We don't know what's happened in the last few hours that we've been in church. But Lord God, we call upon your name today and ask... For your mercy, Lord Jesus. If this is a prophetic war that must come to pass, then I pray you would hide your children. Watch over them, Lord, and believers in Ukraine. Lord, how much I've thought about them, Lord, since this has been going on, but 
Standing a few years ago there in Switzerland seeing saints from the Ukraine and saints from Russia, brothers and sisters all hugging one another's necks and feasting on the word. They weren't enemies. Of course not. They're all part of the same family. Lord God, our hearts go out to them today. What if we were today hovering down in a basement somewhere, hid, not knowing what we was going to do tomorrow. Our job's gone. Our money gone. Our house is gone. Everything we've worked for. Maybe pack up a couple of suitcases. Some of us brothers, pack up a few bags and try to get our wives and children to a border somewhere and us going back. The president right out there among them. Lawyers, different ones saying, here we will die. I thought of the spirit of patriotism. Lord, if they're willing to die, Lord, who are they against the mighty army of Russia? Now, Lord, we know this morning that Russia has now, Carol was telling me she'd read it, that Russia had made a little threat against Israel. I told her, I said, they better be careful. Little David fought bears before. (laughs) Hallelujah. So the great bear of the north is nothing for little David. Lord God, watch over your people. Come, Lord Jesus. But Father, maybe if you were to come at one o'clock or two o'clock this evening, maybe there's some here today that ain't ready. Maybe they're a Christian, but they're not filled with the Holy Ghost. Lord God, deal with the hearts of your people. Please, Lord, even those who are filled with the Holy Ghost, may we check every avenue of our lives, oh God. Maybe not just, well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't cuss, I give up this, that, and other, but Lord, may your great searchlight search even the deepest recesses of our soul. See if you find any pride, any vanity, any sarcasm, whatever it is, Lord, that would displease you. Shine the light on it, Lord God. Help us, I pray, Lord Jesus. May we be ready, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. No wonder John of old could say, come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord. Take us away. Our leaders are warning us. Inflation's going to go higher. Gas price is going to go higher. Some foodstuff's harder to get. Ain't no doubt us Americans tend to be so lazy when it comes to spiritual things. If this is what it takes to bring us more sincerity, I say bring it on, Lord. Because if it's your bringing it, it'll be right. And the finished product will be a sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled bride. Praise God that'll be throne-worthy. Lord God, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the great king now, friends? We've got a couple that's going to be baptized today. If they'll, then my brother John will come and prepare for that. Let's just open our hearts to the Lord. Oh, if you look in your heart and you find the wrong master on the throne room, as great as God is, as great as his power is, God will not unseat that master. You will have to do it yourself. You will have to order him off the throne of your heart. 
If you look in there and you find that's not God. That's the devil. That's the enemy of the cross. You have the power by your choice to dethrone him. And when you do, then you're an empty vessel. The prophet said that's what God is looking for. Empty vessels that he can fill with himself. Praise God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Sing something for us. Can we just worship just for a little bit while the brethren are preparing? Oh, aren't you glad to be able to be in church today? I know this has not been a convention service, but it'll get us ready for one. It'll get us ready for the Jubilee. Amen. Praise God. Let's worship him together. Everybody, let's just worship him now. Lord, prepare me. Look deep down inside you. To be a sanctuary. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Pure and holy. here today that's never given your life to the Lord Jesus or maybe you have and you've strayed and you want to ask him into your life or you want to ask him back into your life anyone here in the visible audience or anyone in the invisible audience just raise your hand to the Lord we'll offer prayer for you God bless you, brother. God bless you. Bless you. This must have been pretty important to you, sir. We know you love worship. You love it when your saints adore you.
But you stopped that worship so we could offer prayer for these. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, that you'd move on these that raise their hands. I'm convinced there's more than that. In the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God deal with their hearts today. Maybe some streaming, maybe some that will archive this service. Father, may they pull over on the side of the road in their car. Maybe they push back from their desk at the office. May the Spirit of God come right down in that office room where they are. May the same Lord Jesus that called Paul on the road to Damascus. Would you deal with our hearts today, Lord? Any that's not where they need to be. Maybe some that's never even committed to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Change them from being an old badger skin, an old contrary drug love and alcohol love and sin love and badger to render their skin to be a tabernacle for the most high God. Oh Lord Jesus, great Adonai, we bless your name, Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, children, don't you sense that movement here among us? Let's just raise our hands up for just a moment. Oh, Lord God, we bless your name. Come among us with your healing power, Father. Extend your hand of miracles to those that are sick, those that are needy, those that are oppressed. In the name of Jesus. As a servant of God, I speak to our enemy today, your enemy, Satan. And I say, take your hands off of God's people. You evil spirits of addiction. You demonic power of hell, of fear, of destruction and devastation. We are the people of the living God. We are the people of the book who identified with our Redeemer. Take your hands off of God's property and let them go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Brother John. Thank you, Lord God. After a service like that, says in the mouth of two or three witnesses we've got two brothers ready to be young men getting pulled on the world just like everybody else having to face one thing after another after another but they felt a greater pool for a greater call and a greater cause we just want to thank the Lord that he still moves, he's still here there's fear and anxiety everywhere there's peace and joy and love. Lord Jesus. This is this is our brother, Brother Ian Atkins. Let's just pray with him. Oh Heavenly Father, how great it is, Lord Jesus, to see, Lord Jesus, that in this world of torment and fear, you still move, Lord Jesus. 
and you moved on my brother, Lord Jesus, had a pull in his heart to get baptized yes. in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, how great it is to be a witness, Lord. What an honor it is for me, Lord, to participate in it, Lord, and these people, Lord Jesus. How we thank you, Father God, for the way you move. And Lord Jesus, your word says, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall be filled. Not you may be. Maybe if you do the right things, maybe it says you shall. Lord Jesus, if He's fulfilled the commandment, Lord, we believe with all our heart that He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, as He goes through this, this time, Lord, that He would be able to call on Your name and that Holy Spirit would lead Him and guide Him, Lord. We ask it, Lord Jesus, in Your precious name. Brother Ian, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. change lives, Lord. Lord, we pray that you just be with Brother Levi, Lord. And also, Lord, that his, his Holy Ghost, Lord, would come down just like you promised, Father. And may it be like that, Lord, a, a personal relationship, a, a time, Lord Jesus, where he knows that he can call on that name, Lord. It's the most important thing. It's not a church membership, Lord, like Brother God has been preaching, Lord, but it's a personal relationship, Lord. I pray that you would just move forward, Lord. Help him to grow in you, Lord, and always keep his eyes on you. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a time we've had here today. Satan don't like this. But God's people, we love this, don't we? Amen. Remember service Wednesday night. Let's sing this little chorus. Brother Johnny mentioned it in his prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. Come take us away. This world is not conducive to the people of God. I'm, I'm ready to get to my new home, aren't you? Brother Harry, lead us to that if you would this morning. Come, sweet Jesus. Take me from this place I really don't belong here now I want to see your face Come, sweet Jesus Say it to him Come take me away I really want 
Cause so 